Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. You're very welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Coming up on this afternoon's show later on, we're getting behind Fred Cook again. He's uh, taking part in Dancing with the Stars and we want to get him to the final, folks. So we'll have, be, have a chat with the man himself in a while. Lose weight and feel great. We're in the gym with Siobhan O'Neill White today. And, of course, it's Friday. I had final Friday of the month. Women with opinions. Lots to chat about for the ladies from 2 to 3 this afternoon. But first... Liam Leach was one of the stars of the all-conquering Newtown Blue side of the 1960s. A wonderful team who won seven titles in that decade. In total, Liam holds nine senior medals, starred for his county on numerous occasions and was an all-round talented sportsman. Following a recent illness, Liam sadly passed away yesterday at the age of 81. And to pay tribute to the great man, I'm delighted to be joined today by his lifelong friend, Charlie O'Brien. Charlie, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jerry. Thank you for joining me today. You do go right back with Liam to childhood. Tell us about those early years and football and you and him. Well, I, I myself uh, had to go to England. Uh, my father sent me over to England to his brother and that was, uh, I was 14 years of age. I worked in England for two or three years and I came back. Father wanted me home, so I came back. But uh, when I came back, I met up with Liam Leach. We were 16 and a half years of age. And uh, the chat was all about football. And we were walking across. We played for the Lords Rangers as minors, along with Francie Findlis, Jim Findlis, and Frank Murphy. Now, Frank was an excellent player. And Frank had gone to the Blues a year before we went to them. But we were walking across West Street one evening, Liam and myself, and Peter Judge Sr., the father of the judges, asked us would we play with the Blues because there was no other team except the Plunkets in, the, in that area. There was no Ratleys then. So Liam and myself had a chat. We said, sure. So we asked Jim Finless and Francie Finless, And as I said, Frank Murphy was already there. So we went to the Blues uh, around about 1956 is the year we went mm. to the Blues. And the Lourdes Rangers, that was Father Kevin Connolly's Father Kevin team, Connolly, was it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that was a minor team, was it? Your... It was a solely minor team. Mm. And there were uh, red and green stripes down the jerseys that was the jerseys and a lot of great footballers like Jackie Reynolds and a lot of players played for the Lord's Rangers but as I said to you 
when the Lord's Rangers were finished as minors, you had to go to somewhere else. Okay, so the Blues was your and yes. Liam's and other That's great right. players' yes. destination. Yes. Now, the early years with the Blues, it wasn't all no, bells no, and whistles no, and no. success, was it? As the lads, the senior lads in the Blues would all tell you, the judges and all would tell you, like, it was hard going in 1956, 7 and 8. Now, we, got the, we won the junior championship in 58. But in 55, 6, 7, we were, we were struggling and we had players on just wearing the jersey. But we went on from there and the Blues became a household name in Loud. What a team that was. Mm. The team of the 60s. The, and there's never been a team like it to dominate no, a decade, no, ever. No, no, I would say without a shadow of doubt that the Blues should have won from 61 to nineteen seventy, should have won every championship that was there. <laughs> Even though he's won, what, seven or eight in that time? Yeah, to 70 was eight, if you take the 60s and into 70 as well. But you really feel the O'Reilly's beat you. Is that still a yeah, little 65. bit of a, a sticker in 65? Yeah, that is my point. That was a local derby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you had the great Michael McCone playing that day and Mickey Leach. Mickey Leach kicked points from all angles, from all over the field. So that was uh, brother playing against brother oh, in that two final. brothers, sorry. Two brothers playing on the rallies and two on the blues. Well, Pudgy couldn't play that day because he was he had a very bad illness that time. But uh, the two blues. But I said to Mickey after the game, I said, you're somebody to score all them points again, your brother. <laughs> <laughs> but look, let's talk about the brother, Liam. How yeah. would you describe him as a footballer? What kind of a player was he? He was a genius. He was a genius. Liam Leach would have got on any team in Ireland. Of that, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, I was talking to a man only this morning that played for the clans. And I said, Larry Muckian was his name. And Le- I was talking to Leslie Toll as well. And both of them said... It was just a nightmare playing against Liam Leach. A nightmare. He was that good. He would send you right, he would send you left, he would kick the ball over the bar, he'd put, stick it in your net. He was that good. He was a left-sided player, played out on the wing, he, wasn't Yes, he? but he had both feet. He was he could dual-footed, What a talent. Um, so, to, say, to sum him up in another way, it was that I often seen when we were in the shed, and Liam Leach could count on one hand the amount of games over them years that he missed. And when we'd be in the shed and all the stars of the Blues were stale, all inter-county players, and the shed would be silent, especially if it was a championship match. The shed would be silent. It'd fall asunder because Leach wasn't playing. Leach was the man. He was the man. That he drove. was the star he of stars. He was the man was that drove that team. He mm. was the man. He would not give in. He would not give in to anybody and in the training ground when we'd be playing and we had 15 players each side below on the Christian Brothers field and we would kill each other and the Blues used to say the hardest games we'll have all year is again each other and when it comes to the end of the game Leach would say we'll, have, we'll play last goal counts the lights of the cars would be on <laughs> And he wouldn't leave until he got the last goal. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And there was great times below under Christian Brothers Field. Absolutely brilliant. He went on to excel as well with the county, didn't he? He was a fantastic county player. He was, um, I'll just bring you back to when they played Longford. Leach played Longford in, in Navan, Liam, and uh, played along with his first cousin, Muckle. And Liam got Sports Star of the Week in the Irish Independent that week. For his for performance. His performance for Loud over in Navan. And Muckle, his cousin, got her in the press. 
<laughs> but they were they were two exceptional talents. Them two boys were two exceptional talents. Now, I have to be fair to the rest of the blues. You had Jim Blackie Judge, who was absolutely out of this world as a player. Jim Judge, I'd say, holds an all time record. He played for the Loud Minors, Juniors and Seniors the one year. All in at the one calendar year, year. At sixteen years of age. Mm. He was actually saving his time for Johnny Clark and Mary Street and uh, Bob O'Malley took his photograph outside the Chapel of Ease and he said, Jim, you've been picked to play for the Loud Seniors. What a record that is. And and you think of the others like the great Jimmy Mulroy. Jimmy who was Mulroy, there brilliant, as well. brilliant. M- uh, Matt Murphy, the goalkeeper. Matt Murphy, a fantastic goalkeeper. And, and you're saying that Leach... You and Jar. Ja. Yeah, Even though Jar ja played against us when he was playing with the Warriors in 61, <laughs> you know. But you are saying today, from your time with them all and everything, yeah. you are saying that Liam Leach was... Top of the pile. Top of the pile, in my opinion. Yeah, and of course. And Blackie. Yes. And then came Jimmy. Yeah. We can't leave out the great Jimmy. No, no. Jimmy was a brilliant player. And I heard Danny on there, Danny Nugent, with the column on the sport, and he was talking about the nine medals. He's a unique distinction, nine senior championship medals. Them. And the other three are? The other three are Jim Judge, yep. Matt Murphy, yep. and Jimmy Mulroy. Which we've mentioned, yeah, the boys Them as well. four boys. They all have A lot them. of the rest of them have eight. Now, he played on, like you talk about the 60s, the title was won in 74, 70 and 74. Yeah. Did he retire? Did his career come to an end uh, but then? You must take his age. You take his age. He, he, he played in his first senior championship. He played in 1959. His first senior championship was 1959. We were beaten by Dava Volunteers in the first round of the senior championship. In 1960, we were winning by five or six points in RD and a shower rain came over and doubtless he'll be us. So uh, there was a big conversation about that. But we started off then in 61. Yeah. But if you take it, his first senior match was 59. And he played so, in 74. And he went from that to 74. Unbe- and was, was in always great shape, wasn't he? He was a fantastic athlete. You were talking about his football powers. But I would have to say, knowing him as in home, he was, I would say, one of the best athletes I've ever seen. Tell us about his running, because he won the Louth Mile. Father Kevin Connolly. Father Kevin Connolly caught him on the street and says, Liam, will you do me a favour? Will you come to Mosney on Sunday? And he says, we're the athletics. And says, Liam, I'm not into it, legs. Nobody says, I've seen you. He said, you can run anybody. So Liam said, if it was anyone else, Liam wouldn't go. I know he wouldn't go. But he said, OK, Father, I'll go up. And he won the Louth Mile in Mosney that year. My, oh my. He was a fantastic golfer who could only play on a Monday because Bredman all worked from from Tuesday to Saturday and he'd play, the Blues would play on Sunday or loud and the only time he could play golf was on a Monday and he was down to two. Two handicaps. And his brother Paddy was a scratch golfer mm. playing with the hole or grip. <laughs> and you had Mickey who was also a very good golfer, you know. Yeah. So the, the, the leeches and the judges were talented people. Could he play table tennis? Yes, he was a he great could, table tennis he? player too. Mm. We used to go to the Sparkle Plug over there in Narrow Westry where there was a table tennis thing and you had Mickey Bailey and Michael Cummins to name but a few and they were all great tennis players and Leach was as good as them. His love of sport because I got to know him well in latter years playing golf in Baltray. I'd meet him there and he was a great golfer. Yes. He really was yeah. and he loved it and he was still deeply into his sport and GA and loud GA especially GA wasn't he? especially he, he got frustrated with the way he seen the way things was going in the 90s 
and he got frustrated with it that it wasn't the same standard that he was now when, and when I have to say in fairness to all the other teams we played like the O'Reilly's the Clans the Clans had a great team then mm. you know the Marys of RD they had a great team Cooley Kickhams so like there was fantastic teams in Loud that time yeah, the competition was fierce. And that first final, 61, the Wirres, who had county oh. men on their team in the Gaelic grounds in Toronto. What, a crowd of over 5,000? 5, 5,000 people was at that game. And that, uh, it, 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 everyone in Midloud will tell you that they followed the Blues with a passion. Because the Blues played this style of football. You could call it the Dublin style. Mm. And you had to be skillful to play it but that's the way it was in the 60s everyone wanted to join Newton Blues I looked round one day at the subs bench and we had five inter-county players sitting on the subs one of them was a man called Brendan Gilmore who won a National League medal with Longford the other one was Eamon Borges whose relations were on the card road I think I'm right in saying Monsters uh, Eamon was a fantastic player won a minor medal with the Dublin and he was a sub and three inter-county loud players was in the sub so that was the standard you were talking about Unbelievable The other thing uh, about him as well was uh, he despaired as you say at times about the county okay, team yeah, as right. the years went on That New Gen Blues team uh, in 69 lost a Leinster final to Gracefield by a point was it? One point One point We never should have lost that game That's a game that I'll go to my grave saying that's the big one that got away um, Jimmy Murray got married and he went on his honeymoon. And we had to take Ja out of the midfield to go back and play fullback. And we were better point. And it just, we, were, we dominated the whole game. Mm. And that was only the start, really. That championship, look at it today. Had it been inaugurated in, in oh, from the late 50s, yes. Newtown yes. Blues would have been yes. Leinster champions. New, new, no question. No doubt about no that. No doubt in the world about it. it. This game in 68 is still legendary when the Blues took on Loud. And they played the full Loud the side, full, didn't you? The full Loud side with and Frank Lynch, was playing. Leslie Toll, Benny Gochran, Eugene Sheelan. All them great players was playing against us. But Mickey Leach had come from the rallies to the Blues. And Mickey Leach was playing with the Blues that day below and down the We had been challenging Loud through the early 60s, through the club. We'd been challenging them because a lot of the players felt that they weren't... You had the Jazz and you had the Leams and the Murrays and the Blackies and the Paul Judge and the whole lot. But a lot of other players that was there, like Peter McKenna, like Matt, like Tom Black, a lot of players were saying, we're not getting a chance. So we decided we challenged them. So they refused, point blank, of course, till 68, when they tore, the Blues were finished. And the Blues played them in Dowdles Hill and beat them 17 points. 17. The rest of Loud. The rest of Loud. Yes. And Liam on that team. Yes. He's, his memory, his prowess, his achievements are guaranteed forever in Newtown Blues folklore, in Loud folklore, and in, in GAA terms yes. uh, as well. How will you remember him most? I remember him as my friend. I think we should just leave it at that today, to be honest with you, because I, I, I so admired the man. I got to know him, as I said, so well in latter years, and I just loved talking to him about sport. Well, there was four of us went around together just before I sign off. There was Liam, Jimmy, Ja, and Matt Murphy, and myself went everywhere together. So that says it all. It does indeed. Listen, you've done them. 
proud today, let me say. I know Charlie to come here and talk about him in such glowing terms. He'd love it. I know he'd love it. And he's looking down on us as we sit here yes, today. Yes. Thank you indeed for paying You're tribute to welcome, your great Jerry. friend, Charlie O'Brien. Thanks a million. Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Carmel Travers from Lahey and Donegal is on the line. Hello, Carmel. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm very good. Well, I know the movie Bohemian Rhapsody is uh, doing really well in the cinemas. Uh, it's been nominated in different categories for Oscars as well. But you and Mr. Freddie Mercury, tell me the story. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a story. <laughs> well, in 1986, myself and my friend, Michelle Walsh, we thumbed from Donegal up to see Freddie and Slane to see Queen. And it was both first concert, and it was the best concert ever I saw in my life. It was so fantastic. just say that to me again, because the old mobile phone gave a little wobble there. You oh, thumbed your way to Slane in 86. Yes, in 86. We thumbed all the way We slept the night in the fields in two bin liners, and we had two litres of snacks and some chocolate for supplies, and we landed in Slane with no tickets, but we got in, we got tickets, and an amazing, an amazing concert. So but Roll on the years, roll on the years to the present, and your daughter, uh, Anna, was going to see, oh, were you talking about Ariana Grande? Yeah, we're talking about, we're talking about performers, you know. As yeah. I was saying, well, I, n- I never saw anybody that could perform like Queen, you know. They, they were just the best of the best, in my opinion, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, go on, tell us what happened then. Your daughter went doing a little bit of research to have a look at some pictures, was it, from the day in 86? You, she went onto YouTube. And, of course, like, in 1986, we weren't documenting our lives. Like, we were taking no selfies. So we went and photographed no nothing. And uh, she went on YouTube, and there was some stills, some pictures uh, on on YouTube. And in one of them... Myself and Michelle came up in a picture with a beautiful pose by Freddie Mercury. Couldn't believe it. So there you are, and I see that picture myself. I've been looking at it this morning. You can see yeah. Freddie in full flight, and you are clearly there. Yes, almost on guy's shoulders. Yeah, almost in the picture with Freddie. Yeah, it's just perfect. Could, couldn't have planned it better, like. My, oh my, isn't that just the strangest coincidence ever that yeah. your daughter went looking for this and there you are. And there I am. I couldn't believe it. I'm so delighted. Oh, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to leave you there and go, uh, but we're going to hear from the man himself. Thank you for taking yeah. our call. The line isn't just 100%, but I do appreciate it and we've got the gist of it, Carmel. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Carmel Travers there. 86 Lane. She's in the picture with Freddie. And here we have for you, Queen. Another one bites the dust. 
one gone, and another one gone, another one bites the dust. Hey, hey, gonna get you too. Another one bites the dust. Lots to chat about for the next hour. To hear them there in the background, they're away already, sure, even without microphones. I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch this afternoon Women with Opinions, Kira Burke from Sage and Stone in Duleague, Angela McCormick, great to have you back with us, Angela, media consultant, and Carmel McCarthy from EMS and Associates. And hello to all our friends on Facebook Live, because we are live on Facebook as we speak, and you can see what's happening here in the studio as well as listening on LMFM Radio. Now, let's begin, ladies, today with something that's really appalling that's happened in the last 24 hours or so. That crash on the M50, the slip road round Finglas there, a, a woman in her 30s lost her life. My God, the picture started shooting around social media everywhere. And in fact, the Guardian intervened quite quickly to say, please, please stop posting these pictures. And I think somebody may have been arrested in association with what was posted today. We'll get clarification on that. But I thought I heard that somewhere this morning. But look, voyeurism, Carmel McCarthy, beginners today. What, what, what are we like? What's going on here? I, you know what, Jerry, this... We seem to just want to get, we we love involving ourselves in other people's lives. You know, the nosy neighbour syndrome. What's going on there? Like the rubber neckers that if there's any sort of a crash on the road. But this to me, uh, like has gone one step further because it's almost as though they're taking these photographs. Let's post them. Do they think that their photo is going to go viral? That it's going to draw attention to them? Why are these people so heartless, so stupid? Because that's all they are, is stupid, that they're using social media like this. Now, anyone who posted a photo like that has not stopped to think of the impact, of the impact they haven't stopped and saying, that could be my son, daughter, brother, sister, friend, whatever. Like... Please, this this total insensitivity. I I can't I can't deal with it. Um, I can't deal with people who are seem to be driven by their egos and not their spirits. Angela McCormick, come in there. You know the like an extension of this. People who post absolutely everything from their lives. On social media. Well, I, I personally, I'm, I'm a very wary user of social media, but I mean, one of the things that occurs to me about it is social media coarsens people. It seems to have coarsened our entire lives, the way we communicate with one another. I mean, that, that incident of the M50 was just positively ghoulish. But not only were the people who took it ghouls, the people who shared it. What? is going on how have we what what is it about social media that seems to allow this distance between what people do and and the reality of the impact that it's going to have i i, I wonder how i mean is, is is our lives on television or something is is that have, have some kind of an impact that we've we've stopped engaging with the reality of of stuff um, but it, it's it, it's extraordinary, and and there's, there's been so many instances of it. Even you, the, 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 there's various things where you can see in the last week the amount of viciousness and negativity that 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 the social media comments can generate. Mm. I kind of wonder. Overall, it's it's a medium that you you could say should be bringing a force for good, but the amount of 
the amount of negative impact of social media on our politics, on our uh, ability to discuss things, on our, our our general awareness. And I mean, with social media, the truth gets gets completely buried. You you can portray any particular opinion. Yes. So it's, it, I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan. And I'm going to come on to another subject about that's related to that almost immediately after this. Kira, what, what, yesterday's incident just... You know, one snapshot of what Angela and uh, Carmel have been saying there, that it seems to be part and parcel of life now. Well, you know, I was at work yesterday and uh, one of the girls at work showed this to me. And I actually felt bad about actually looking at it. After I had seen and, and, and taken in what the photograph was about. You didn't understand at first? What? I didn't. Really, I was kind of looking at it. She was saying, oh, have a look at this. And I'm going, what am I looking at here? Because there was an actual circle around um, the beheading of the this person and all the rest. And I just was, oh, my God, I cannot believe. I, I just felt so bad about actually looking at it and that the family of that person, that this has gone viral, practically. And mm. my, th- sorry, my 13 year old daughter showed it to me last night. So, you know, who took this? What age was the person? Who are, you know, who is sharing it? The, anyone who shares it is equally to blame. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I just think that it's an absolute disgrace what's, um, what social media has become and what we as a society have become. Yeah, and, and policing this is not the, the simplest thing in the world for, to, to do, Cameron. It's very, very difficult. I mean, it's it has dehumanised and desensitised everything. But I'm going to go back uh, before kind of social media was used so much. I think we all recall uh, one of the tabloids on their front page put the photograph of Joey Dunlop when he was killed. On the and motorbike, the, yeah. Yes, mm. yes. To me, it's it's just an extension of tabloid journalism and people... Are almost thinking that they can use the same uh, the same approach yeah, on themselves. a mass scale. We have yes. to say because yeah. everyone and anyone can do it that has yeah. a phone. It's so as simple as that. It's about it's about sens- sensationalizing. So everything. how do you change people's approach to this? Or well, I don't know. I mean, even are we to some extent in the media to blame it. when when you mm. say the the things about Joey Donlop or or when you think about it? We have pictures of war. Some. Um, be atrocity, a, a bomb in a mosque mm. in where in in Iraq or Iran or or some sort of, a, and it's a faraway country. So you can say, well, I don't, we don't know these people, but somebody somewhere does, mm. and, and indeed they, uh, with emigration, their, their relatives could well be here. But we we become kind of somewhat accustomed to seeing dead bodies on screens. Mm. Without actually thinking, do we really need to see this? And I know that there's an impact of report, war reporting to, to make it uh, apparent as to the type of destruction. But I kind of wonder, how, how, have we lost the, the plot here? Because now that, we, now that there's a, this sort of acceptance of, say, say war reporting, we're now, it, it, there's suddenly, it's OK to put on accidents on the M50? Yeah. Well, I was actually watching the news last night and uh, I just commented to myself, like okay that's great that they haven't put it on the news tonight because it's only publicising the fact that that photograph is out there and the fact we're talking about it now is publicising Yeah we're probably doing the same adding to it but really I wanted to talk about it from the point of view to say to people look please you know there's an education to be done here but my god you have to voyeurism you have to really say and think before you post anything because you can destroy people Mm. completely Mm -hmm. you know and cause desperate pain and hurt and that's the reason we're talking about it today I do want to say that Mm. we don't want 
not pushing this to publicise mm. it or anything like that. We really aren't. But I think that's the message yeah, everybody's just, sort yeah. of sending Don't out. Think and you know the it it could it could be me. It could be my Absolutely. family. That type of thing. Yeah, like but we did it back in in the early nineties when the um, the the Middle Eastern War was on. It was the first time like we saw you know bombing. Uh, live yeah. on yes. TV yes. and like we have just grown arms and legs from there because mm. it's in our sitting rooms at that time yeah. like I remember seeing I thought it was horrific yeah. there were pictures of, of, of bodies who had been car- carbonised mm. with uh, mm. yeah. the, the yes. impact of, of bombs mm. in, in carbonised bodies on, on the ground I thought dear God mm. It's shocking. It really is. Yeah. If you want to join in the conversation with the girls today, 086-1800-658. Join us on Facebook Live as well. We're there at the moment. You're very welcome to see what's going on here. WhatsApp or text 086-1800-658. That leads me on from what you mentioned a few moments ago there, Angela, to something else I wanted to be talk- to talk about today. And it's in the context of the transgender uh, furore that happened with RTE and Graeme Linehan during the week. And I was just sitting back thinking about this. It's the latest in a line of things where you're not really allowed to have an opinion in the face of what's described now as conventional wisdom. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, and I thought exactly the same thing about when, when, when the issue arose. I mean, this petition, this online petition to prevent Graeme Linden appearance on prime time. There was a point in time where uh, these no platforming, as they call it, was directed at people who were going to incite hatred or violence. And one could say, well, if there is a reason for not allowing Nazi spokespeople to sort of stand up on platforms, I, 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 I can. But but now we've got to a situation whereby if I don't disagree, if I if I, if I disagree with you, if I'm offended, if I'm anything, you're not allowed. Um, I, I the, the transgender uh, organisations made a valid point that you know, the, but as far as they were concerned, only people who were transgender were valid spokespeople. And I don't know that that is, okay. we, we can't have that case. I mean, no. we, we all can have, particularly as sort of, as, as, as parents, as members of society, etc., can have a, an input into a ver- a, a, what is a going to be perhaps a change in our legislation and, mm. and, 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 and that change in our legislation can impact on our children and our children's children so Do you know what I was um, what I was thinking as well over the last while and it's come to me like in, in all the big issues we have in Ireland and this country is changing and changing for the better and fair dues to people and that but you're not allowed really have a dissenting voice if you are against abortion or have been if you don't agree with same sex marriage you know there are there's, there's two prominent ones that come to mind there are other ones as well you really are, you know, shouted down or dissenting voices are not welcome. Is, is that, am I creating the wrong impression there? Have I got the wrong impression? No, no, no. Like, if I, if I said to you, I love Donald Trump, you know, you'd probably turn around to me and say, oh my God, what, like what? But, like, he has so many people following him. But it's not good to a democratic society like ours to say that we like what he does. Imagine if I like so if you say something like Graham Linehan said that you know he didn't agree with transgenders and all that, like we're, we're actually not allowed be uh, politically that's incorrect. That's the point I'm getting yes. to. Yes. In, in today in Ireland, that's the way it yeah. is. And you're right. I would disagree with you. Maybe like I, I'm not a yeah. great fan of Trump's, and people yeah. know that from me. Yeah. But I listen to anybody, and I get comment here from yeah. people who love him. And they're entitled to this, eh? Yeah, an opinion. If, if you had someone who was like, you know, so anti-Trump or whatever, they'd go, I can't believe you. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's exactly the same thing. It's You're not allowed to be politically correct. You're not allowed not be politically correct. Isn't that bad for discourse yes. and yeah. debate and... Where, where's freedom of speech? 
I mean, you yeah. know, so I've to spit my words out and look at them before I say them, lest I offend this one, that one or the other one. If they're offended, they have a right to defend themselves. Mm. So to me, it's a load of rubbish. But then we've got to look. Sometimes do people raise these issues for publicity? Mm. Mm. And that's the question I would ask here with the Grand mm. Menhan issue. Mm. Was, it, was it another form of, of attracting attention, getting publicity? Well, I don't think it was at that, that as such. I, I, I just think they want to control the debate. They want to control the narrative. And and. The, the, there is no the, the 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 democracy or the the idea of freedom of speech appears to be doesn't appear to just come come into their consciousness, which is a pity. Um, I, I think we're a very tolerant society, and we've hugely moved on. Um, it, it, there was a point in time where there was only one yes. view, and and that mm. was equally mm. yes, uh, wrong yes. upon us. Yes. You know, but I think we've gone way too far. The other other side. I yeah, think I, 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 well, look, I'm just suggested, and I, I throw it out to you, and you seem to be of, of the same thinking. What are you thinking out there in late lunch land this afternoon? Because we want to hear from you. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp, it's free, or text if you want to get in touch with us. Or you can pick up the phone. That's traditional. 1850-715-958. More from Kira, Angela, and Carmel after the break. I think I'll put on my crash helmet here before we get into this one. Yann Moi, a French journalist told the French edition of Marie Claire magazine recently that 50-year-old women were invisible in his world. He couldn't make love to one, much preferring a 25-year-old body, which he says is extraordinary compared to the 50-year-old, which is really ordinary. Carmel, I'd better let you in here first. Yann Moi and Carmel McCarthy. Yann Moi. Well... As the fellow says, there's days I'm fed up, but I'm not hard up. And when you look at him, I don't know whether any of the listeners have seen a photo of him, but I would sooner look at his bank balance than his face because he's a face and I'm like a well-slapped arse. That's the only way I can describe him. And the cheek of him to say that. I mean, to me, he's in his 50s and he wants a 25-year-old. Sorry, that's a bit creepy. I honestly find it creepy. I, 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 well, I'd be completely invisible to him. Now, I don't mind if my belly was invisible and, you know, a few bits like that, but I want those invisible to everyone else. Um, but no, I mean, how dare he? How dare he? The arrogant little so-and-so. I won't say it. I won't say it. Anyway, that's me on Yan Over and out. Are you as revved up as Carmen? <laughs> well, I actually don't really care about this guy. Um, like, I think that young guys are equally more beautiful than older guys. But that's not to say I'd go for them. You know, I like an, I like a more mature you know, reflective uh, type individual. I like someone I can talk to. Like, I wonder what his uh, bedside manner and his bedside conversations are like with the 25-year-olds because I'd say, now, there isn't really much happening there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he did apparently admit that that he wouldn't be able to deal with 50-year-olds. They'd be too demanding. They'd be too whatever. So so we're talking about a simple man. (laughs) A simple man and he liked boyish games and things. he, He liked the less complicated life. And hence he went effectively for the little Angela, girls. Why, <laughs> why would a man, you know, even 
<laughs> no matter what he might think or something. But actually say it. Well, perhaps because he's French. <laughs> yeah. And like, you have to admit. Now and and, and they admit. fancy themselves something rotten. I mean, really, don't they? Yeah, but Frenchmen, I mean, like, so let's, right? let's get real, <laughs> girls. And if he was good looking, look I'd exactly, say yes. Like, do we sound better are, are, twisted? Are, are we missing anything, girls? Oh, well, I don't think I am. Well, young 25-year-old women, if you're into just bodies and that, yes, they are more attractive. Like, mm. let's face it. Mm. Um, but if you're looking for someone that you can actually have a life with then you may have to so if he doesn't want to you know um, if it's all about just sex for him yeah, knock yourself probably. out Jan <laughs> and, and on a serious note really do do we need these kind of men you know I mean this, these, these people who have this idea that we are that women are, can yeah. only be judged on their physical attributes all that sort of stuff I mean he sounds so 1960s he looks 1960s <laughs> yeah. you know, you're right who said about imagine a convert what have you in common at 50 with a 25 year old really I, I know you should have a young outlook in life and I like to have myself but really holy god almighty come on no I mean definitely I mean the thing is she'd be worried like whether the false tan had streaked or not like whereas well maybe he'd be worried about that too but I think perhaps I think you hit hit, hit a point there um, Angela he probably on an intellectual level he wouldn't be able for a 50 year old woman or a woman mm. older so that could be it too. He probably has lacks maturity, so he needs someone less mature. Yeah. But girl, like it isn't news. This isn't news. Like there's old men going for younger women. Yeah. There's younger women go, you know, who are looking for replace their daddy figures. Do you know what I mean? So would it be anything to do with bank balances, never, and money? God, not never. really. It's all love. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a French journalist. The twenty-five-year-olds would hardly. Yeah. He's hardly making a fortune. A French journalist. Oh no, <laughs> no. he's apparently quite a big author. He's, he's actually yeah. very. A very well-known yeah, author yeah. in France. Yeah. So, I so he has a few, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> he has a yeah, few, Bob. Yeah. Anyway, let's leave Jan with his 25-year-old uh, yeah. ladies and uh, good luck to him. We wish we wish him well. Uh, you, you tasted for me. Well, you didn't, Angela, but the other girls did. Every Christmas, they were tasting for me on the pudding thing, which we did when you're here in December. Flavours of the Boyne Valley, you're very familiar with, and, yes. and we're on Instagram Live. Yes, we are on Instagram Live. We shopped from Facebook to Instagram, <laughs> from Facebook to Instagram. Hello, everybody on Instagram this afternoon. Look what I have here. Um, Flavours of the Boyne Valley. It's a movement in the Boyne Valley where people are producing new foodstuffs and uh, doing very well, as you would know, Kira, being mm-hmm. in the business yourself. Maltesers. Anyone like Maltesers? Mm, love them. Yeah. Anyone like Maltesers? Mini, yeah. mini Maltesers. Would anyone? Would you, yeah, would you ta- yeah, well, I, I better taste one first before I'm taking a little one. Well, I get, I give you a laugh on this. Will you have a after tell me, pre- sorry, each, uh, I found another one. Yeah, I, yeah. Even Here, um, taste after each each one of my children, and, uh, all I wanted please, was taste. a bag you of Maltesers. and a bottle of Lucasade. So I mean, I love. Maltesers. Okay, I can tell you, you me these. Do you t- taste them there? Taste them. Mm. You have your coffee mm. in that with you. What do you make of them? It's Belgian chocolate. And the, I have to say, the mm. chocolate is from Belgium. That's mm-hmm. the one thing about them. What do you make of them? Kira, you've been there. We'll go with you first, the foodie. Do you like them? I, I love them with chocolate. Yeah, they're like lovely, those? but they're not enough bite for me. It's not enough. But the little nibbles. I'd have to have the whole bag. No, bag I understand. <laughs> well, this is, this is a new business that's coming, and they give us a little taste. Uh, Carmel? Yeah, um, I love the chocolate. I like I like a darker mm. slightly no I know it's it's not completely dark chocolate but um yeah probably I'd like a little bit more of a bite but I agree mm. if it's nibbles if it's just, just a side nibble, nibble Angela Lovely. oh I think they'd probably be dangerous I'd be sitting there going oh uh, yeah would you, you like them that much mm. <laughs> it's like you'd have to sprinkle them over your breakfast or something oh yes yeah, they, you okay. could do that over your porridge you could do mm. you like them you love the flavour yeah, of them yeah new or you could put them in <clears> like a um, cookies or something yeah you want to see them there what they are that's what they are yeah. you see them there 
Who are they? Yeah, look, that, do you like them? Kids critters, Belgian milk chocolate covered crickets. Oh, that's what we were eating, crickets. <gasps> crickets, You've just Jamie. been eating Belgian chocolate covered crickets, ladies. There you go. Thanks very much. What do you think? Well, they just taste like Rice Krispies. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Come here, my my grandson feeds um, those yolks to his his lizard. He does. Camel's looking a little pale. I, I I will say that you're a little pale after that. Does it surprise you, like yeah. that that they are actually they are crickets? They are crickets covered in milk chocolate. That's what you've been eating, and I've been eating here as well. I personally like them. Now, 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 knowing Angela, come on now, be absolutely (laughs) honest, knowing now that they're not Maltesers (laughs) or a a copy of Maltesers, but chocolate coated crickets, what do you think? I think they tasted kind of like, yeah, I I mean, I wouldn't have guessed they were kind of, I don't know, crunchy crunchy or whatever, but I suppose crickets would be crunchy crunchy when you cook them. (laughs) I have to say, though, Jerry, once I discovered they're not Rice Krispies or Maltesers, I'm just that little bit less (laughs) enthusiastic. Well, unless they come come like, are they full of protein or something? Yes, they are. The reason I've got you to taste these, Mm. uh, and I had to... Without telling us what they were. Yes, I I couldn't tell you what they were. I could have been allergic to crickets, you know. Oh, my God. And that's not anaphylaxis. <laughs> I don't think you're allergic to anything, but crickets could be allergic to you now. I'm not sure I about know, that. No, I'm anyway. have a reaction. <laughs> Never thought about that. Anyway, I had to lead in with the Boyne Valley. They are actually they're from the UK, and uh, I'll tell you what. The reason I want you to taste these is that they reckon actually for the world and for mankind that crickets and insects are going mm. to become a big part of, of food, food and protein. Yeah. You yeah. you know this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they said that you know the. Um, Help me get out here. Was it my celebrity? Get me out. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, you know the, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. You know the way they all try all these different foods and crickets and slugs and all the rest. And they said that this is the new, there's new restaurants in in Holland. (laughs) Yeah. Feeding this stuff yeah. as serving it yeah. up. But, well, this, the thing is, 
all, when I think of crickets, all I can think of is the sound then, of them. Yeah, the, the sound holidays. of them. Hold on. No, in a box in my grandson's wardrobe when I was staying there one night and my daughter said, oh, go in and sleep in, in Stephen's room. And I went in to sleep in Stephen's room and I couldn't understand what the racket was from the wardrobe. And she went, oh, I forgot to take out the box of crickets last night. So I'm suddenly <laughs> slightly a tad Put off crickets. So, Carmel, next time you're there and you're not sleeping, bang and into the gob. <laughs> I probably need though? a few glasses of wine with me, Jerry. You know, are they are they cut up crickets or are they is there a full cricket in every bite? No, there's not. You're you're starting to work on the marketing side of this for this company. A cricket in every bite. Right. <laughs> I love that. I like it. Yeah. I think you've hit the nail yeah, on yeah, yeah, <laughs> already. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll take a break and uh, we might line up Buddy Holly. <laughs> <laughs> Only joking. Anyway, the girls. That was sh- cheating. I thought we were taking. I did cheat you, and, and I apologise. And I told a little bit of a porky. They're not the wine valley, but I just wanted to introduce you. What if I'd said to you at the start? Here, will you taste them crickets? <laughs> crickets no. I know what you'd have done with me. You'd have marked me out of the yeah. studio. Well, can I bring a few home for the kids to do you that? Can, yeah. You can, you can, and try That's it on them. Anyway, the girls are with us. Have I'll you ever take them for the lizard? <laughs> yeah. Have yeah. you ever eaten crickets? Instagram live here. We are. They're still alive here. They're getting a little happy and jittery since they ate the crickets. But look, besides that they're fine back with more from the girls in a few moments Kira Burke Angela McCormick and Carmen McCarthy are with me and I'm getting a bit worried now they're getting a bit jumpy after those <laughs> crickets I can tell you over the break there but uh, anyway m- let's move on uh, driving and when is it too old to drive F- Prince Philip of course 97 years of age in an accident over a week ago lucky nobody was actually killed and the question has arisen since and it's been talked about when should you really be off the road Kira Burke Oh God, there's no age as as such, I suppose. I mean, it's depending on how you, but I think to be fair, you should have to reset your test at a certain age. What age? Oh, I I think you should have a health test from 75 because your capacities, your reflect, your, what your reactions, your, your, even your physical strength can just start to diminish. And, mm. and people aren't very good at recognising, I've driven for 40 years. I'm mm. I, I, I can respect people's want, wish to keep independent, etc. But you have to recognise mm. that you are in charge of a dangerous vehicle. Personally, I, I have a, a case that I know of a, a family friend of ours uh, who was a painter who was working out on, on the street, you know, in a, in a safe place and whatever. A woman, an elderly woman, mounted the pavement, knocked the guy off his uh, ladder, ladder, broke his back, is in a wheelchair, life utterly destroyed. The the woman who was aged in her 80s had Parkinson's. She put her foot on the accelerator. It slipped and she just kept going. She hadn't, you know, she whatever, fright, whatever, just ploughed into him. So you say from the age of... 75. A test every year. A test every year, every medical... Single. But and I do think, though, I mean, if, if, you, if you say we're for medical reasons, you know, you can have, say, Parkinson's or, you know, any of those kind of Alzheimer's much earlier. So I suppose you have to declare that to your insurance company. But say you didn't declare it to your insurance company and, God forbid, um, something happened... So you're not insured. The other person wouldn't get any insurance and um, you might have, you know, damaged someone else's life. Carmel. Yeah, that's, I mean, uh, I would say certainly 75 would be, I suppose, a good benchmark. But then uh, 
it would be dependent too on your state of health and also on your own GP declaring you fit because they're the one that knows you best as opposed to an independent mm. uh, uh, doctor because like the GP knows your, the nuances mm. of any any illness you might have but I think to an element of of common sense has to come into it. I mean, I'm sure Prince uh, Philip liked his little bit of independence and he could drive hither and thither. But here, come on, Sandringham itself is big enough that he can drive around there. Exactly. He doesn't need to go out onto <laughs> the main road. road. Exactly. Um, he has drivers. It's not like they had to catch the bus. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like some people could be living out at the top of a hill and need the car to get from A to B. Sorry, he didn't. And common sense should have prevailed. I remember my father decided at a certain point that he wasn't driving anymore because he was fine with the driving. He'd drive down as far as the village and back, but he just felt, no, I'm getting deafer. My uh, responses aren't as sharp and all mm. the rest. Mm. And, like, he just was sensible about yeah, it. Yeah, sensible. And he, he was thinking what he could might happen to someone else. He said, look, it, I've lived my life. You know, God forbid if I drive into a wall. You know, I've I've had a good run at it. That was in his 90s he was saying that. But, you know, it could have been a mother and a child like coming up the road mm. or that. So, I think there is a, a lot, lot of there is a lot, lot of, of common sense. independent people living on their own in the countryside in a rural location. Yes. And their only source of, you know, transport is their own car. And, you know, you do feel for people yeah. like that. I mean, yes. Yeah, you, know, you can do. I know a couple of people who have moved into into, a, into the village in order to not have to drive everywhere and that, you know, they've downsized and moved it. But, you know, not everyone is prepared to do that. So, look, there is no hard or fast answer to this, but I'm sure the insurance companies will uh, come up with a solution. The thing I noticed about Prince Philip, though, was apparently there was a new Jeep delivered to Sandringham the next day and, and Philip was out spotted out driving, but to which that just certain indicated a kind of arrogance. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, but I suppose but then you, I you're, not, you're not a member of the royal family for nothing. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm just yeah. reading here that uh, older drivers have to undergo medical exam at least every three years. And there was yeah. quite a bit of annoyance about this, but you'd actually say it should be every year. At, as after seventy five, yes, would be what. And you I would hope like they don't see. have to do the theory test because I don't. I don't think I'd pass it. <laughs> yes, no, I think a medical medic, medical, medical exam. exam yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the license thing. is free when you turn seventy, uh, but the medical exam is not, and you must undergo it at a three-year interval from seventy. 70 is it? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, so that, that's that would catch it to a degree. degree. The other thing I do want to say. Uh, young drivers, like you talk about older drivers, yeah. and I know you cited an example yeah. there, Angela, and we talk about it, and, and uh, there are exceptions to every rule. But by God, I think if you look at the stats for danger, yes. isn't speed with young men young yeah. still the big well, thing? Well, it's the, the biggest killer yeah. in Ireland, isn't but it? Apparently, though, with the stats, that um, teenagers and older people have, yes. have the, big, the highest yeah. rates of, of, of mortality and accidents. But one of the real problems with older people is if they have an accident, it te- they, they tend to actually be, be more injured because of their age. Mm. They're, they're frailer. Mm. So you, and we do mm. want to say there are some brilliant, brilliant drivers up drivers, to very senior years as well. A listener saying, I think you do well to listen uh, to an interview uh, with, uh, who do they say there? Professor Des O'Neill. He did re- recently on National Radio about older drivers. Well, I'll have yeah. to listen to that myself back and see what he has to say. Hi, drivers over 80 should hand their licenses in because, in my opinion, says a listener, 
it's uh, too late to be driving. Uh, 80 plus? I think that's too severe, but I would like to think that people would be sensible enough that they would say, listen, I'm only doing the trip down the road. I'm not going going to be driving to Cork in the morning or whatever. But like, I remember when, when Dad gave up driving, he still had his licence because he was still fit and healthy. There mm. wasn't, but he reckoned his hearing was was the worst bit. And uh, God forbid he'd wear the hearing aid. But, you know, I think that people themselves should know when it's time when it's to time to. Let me go back to something we were talking about earlier and it was the, the point we you were all making and, and I said it appears to me to be the way anyway that you can't have an alternative view. You know, you're not able to, you know, mm. argue, debate, you're, you know, pushed down or out of the way. Um, hi, Jerry. This has come in a tweet to us this afternoon. The conversation as lively as ever. I'm loving it. Society is rapidly changing and a liberalist approach to many moral issues. Sadly, yesterday's fate crash accident is just another example of a less caring society expect more of what I would term uh, as such moral issues to be pushed beyond what would have been regarded as okay some years ago uh, and an outrage at that stage be very careful what you wish for as what was regarded as an outrage at one time is now normal Mm. in today's society Mm. and thank you that's a a very interesting comment you make to us there another uh, talking point, let's say, in, in the last while has been the change in, in the law when it comes to prostitution and trafficking. And in the past, if uh, anybody was caught selling sex, the, the person who was selling it, they were the ones lifted and before the courts and convicted and fined or jailed or whatever. But that law has changed. And the first conviction under the new law Criminalizing, uh, criminalizing the purchaser of a sex I saw a Meath man convicted in the first such case in the last week or so. A welcome uh, development from from everybody's point of view. I was going to say a woman's point, but from all all round, Kira. I I really don't know. Um, I, I, this is the first time I heard of it, to be honest, this week. And um, like this is the oldest profession in the world, and I don't think it's ever going to stop, to be honest. If there's a supply and there's a there's a desire, it's going to be filled, and it's just a matter. Of, it's a bit like, um, you know, someone who purchases drugs, they're probably going to be, um, you know, you are they going to be criminalised now for purchasing drugs because it's 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 another one of those things. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, you know, the seller of the sex, the purchaser of the sex. There's both. There, it's both illegal. Um. So I, I really don't know if it's so ever going are you, to... are you actually saying that prostitution and, and the sale of sex is a necessary evil in the world? I think it's an evil that is never going to go away. And it's not, it's going to be there as long as there's a need. Would you legalise prostitution? Um, possibly. So that the prostitutes, the people who are servicing this need are looked after and that there is proper um, proper regulation. Mm, okay. Apparently the Swedes were the first people in the 1999 to bring in this law of, of um, uh, charge the, the purchaser rather than... The, yeah, it's the Scandinavian the, 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 the model. It's the Scandinavian yeah. model, they, they call it. Mm. And it, it, it was done 
partly to protect women because in the oldest profession, it's not quite what it used to be in the, the, the back, back in the day. Mm. There's a huge issue with women being trafficked, effectively a form of sex slavery. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it, 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 it's the, the amount of abuse that women mm. wind up in situations, very, very few prostitutes actually choose to be there. Presumably a very small percentage of them actually do. But most women, <coughs> or indeed presumably men, wind up in that situation because they are in, in for, for a variety of very, fairly desperate <laughs> social <laughs> reasons. Um, and it's curious that what's happened in Sweden is that the numbers of men, mostly men, using prostitutes has, has halved. It was about 14% in the, ni- the late 90s and it's down to about uh, below 7% now that we would admit to be to, to purchasing sex. So it's changing the dynamic um, and it's and it, and in terms of the, the numbers of women being killed in Germany, where prostitution is legal, had about seventy prostitutes murdered in the last year, whereas Sweden had none. So it is operating to protect women. It's a it's a nasty industry. It might have always existed, exactly, and, and it's getting nastier. Mm. It's because of the traffic. Because of yeah. the trafficking. You know, it begs the question though, and it's 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 like with with drugs with everything. They'll find another way. It'll drive it underground further. You know, that's what would I would worry about more. Mm. Um, it's what's the answer? I don't know. I don't know. But it was it was to protect. I think it was to support the the child protection laws as well and to deal with the the trafficking. But I'm I'm not convinced. Some of your comments, Phyllis has been on to say, Jerry, you do need to have a medical test yearly if you're over 80. Thanks for that, Phyllis. Uh, also another comment there, treat him like any normal person, summons him, go to court and let the judge decide and jail if necessary. I'd say that's about Prince Philip, to be honest with you. I, I do think they breathalyzed him after the uh, incident. Oh, yeah, they did. It's standard. A, it's a standard matter, yeah. of course. So I, whether we'll hear anything about that down the road or not, let's see. Paddy's been on to think, uh, I think, you don't have to be over 75 years of age to renew your driving licence and Jerry, you're right there's the most dangerous and stupidest drivers of all ages you're right Paddy that, that is a fact uh, but there is always the question when as the years advance are you safe to be on the road Danny's been on to say the police are always asking people for footage and dash cam footage of accidents now you're saying for people not to record incidents well look it we're not saying that either like dash cam does come into effect and, and, and helps police with things as well but what we're saying Danny is where people just head out to an incident where some poor unfortunate is either in a crash or lying on the ground expiring or something like that that is totally wrong he also says that the lady should leave their mobile phones with me for a week no thanks Danny I'm alright I have enough of a job managing my own and he agrees with me that you should be able to give your opinion of course and that's what the girls do here and we let people express their opinions uh, besides now let's move on the gift that keeps on giving the Healy Rays yes Danny the latest into the ring None meat eaters couldn't do a hard day's work, says Danny, if you don't have your steak, Carmel. Steak. Well, the reason now why Danny would be saying that <laughs> would be because he represents the people of East Kerry and 
there are a lot of farmers down there and there would be big dairying and beef and that. So if he was to say anything different, he wouldn't be so supporting the <laughs> farmers. So re- it's always any comment that comes from the Healy race is always a loaded one. And it's to ensure that they will remain in the doll for sake last sake So I disagree with his comment uh, I know plenty of non-meat eaters who can do uh, a good day's Oh, work. without a bit of meat on the plate. Oh, geez, I, I kind of agree with him. I think, um, <laughs> I think uh, I, it was like uh, I had a thing the other day in the shop and it was like, uh, I have, uh, I'm lactose-free, gluten-free. Um, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. What yeah. was the other thing? I'm vegan. I'm that, what would you recommend? A taxi. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't agree with you more. Uh, but no, Danny Hillyway is hilarious. I mean, last week, he, or the week before, he was talking about uh, he didn't believe in climate change, that we've had, you know, really hot weather. We've had sweltering summers. We've had <laughs> rain falling all. And he says all his life he's remembered. And we've so he doesn't believe in climate change either. But um, in fairness, uh, he is certainly entertaining. Mm. Mm. Uh, what about you? Oh, I, I, well, what, what, what can you say? Yeah, poor old Danny. I mean, he's, he's a dinosaur, really, isn't he? <laughs> like, and he will be wiped out by climate change. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can, we can time, all look forward to that. He has a that. massive following. I mean, in fairness, oh, like, they love him. bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, but has that also that little dig? Anything to do, obviously, with Leo and Leo eating less meat? So, obviously, yeah. so, so there was Danny that's, getting in the rope. That's what actually yeah. That, that's what yeah. 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 He wanted to get in and give the uh, Taoiseach a good old dig when he mentioned he was cutting down on, on the amount of yeah. meat he, that he's eating. What about this one, Azalea Banks, who lost the plot? Uh, she had a big gig. Was it last night that the gig happened or is it tonight? Anyway, she's coming to Ireland from the UK. She was turfed off an Aer Lingus flight. Uh, She got a bit stroppy and she absolutely went wild. She called Irish women everything under the sun. Malnourished, ugly, over-tanned. We're hardly malnourished in fairness. But that was nice. I mean, God love her. That's all I can say. She she must be hard up for a bit of um, publicity. Publicity. Um, d- does it bother me what she says? No, because to me the girl is crass. She has no uh, no breeding, no culture. So why should I be bothered about her opinion? Okay. What was Conor McGregor's opinion? Uh, oh, yeah, comment to he, her? He was. I thought I quickly read somewhere that he had supported her. Oh, so there's peace in a pod. Yeah. Oh, peace in a pod. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, and she likes Irish men, though. Well, I she, loves, <laughs> she loves Irish men, so she does. Okay, if you are 70 or over, you need a certification of fitness to drive from your doctor to, pl- to apply for a three or a one year licence. That's what it says on yeah. Citizens Information. And I I thank as well somebody else who's been in touch with us to say that also. So that's the clarification. 70 or over, certification of fitness for a one or three year licence from your doctor. So that's uh, the way it actually well, works there. I tell you what, Philip must be slipping the brown well, envelope to <laughs> someone. Hey, that, if you're royal, you can do anything. They're really listening to you today because that person who sent me the message to say at present people have to get a doctor's cert for driving, yeah. uh, for a driving licence once they reach 70 years of age it's for one or three years it says as well and that gentleman that Carmel was talking about I don't know how in the name of God he drove till into his 90s my father yeah he did yeah but he used to literally go down to the shop or down to the village but then he he drew the line underneath it when he said mm. no 
it, it's okay. I don't need to do but this But they do anymore. say that those small little journeys that you do every single day, they're the ones that you have the accidents on. Yeah. Mm. Because yeah. you kind of, you're in, you're in automatic Auto- pilot yeah. and then yes. something suddenly happens and then you're not, you don't, you're mm. not ready for it. Mm. We'll try and get this one in before we finish. Yeah, the, the law on divorce is changing. At the moment, you have to wait four years before uh, a divorce can be finalised. There's talk of reducing it to two years or perhaps one or should it be less anyone with an opinion on that divorce you can get married how long does it take to arrange a marriage why does it have three months so not not, i i I suppose you could give it a little more thought but any maximum a year because the whole process takes so long i don't think anybody reaches the stage where they're going to divorce um for you i mean it's it's not a whim yeah Why, why the four year Thing was is brought four in. Years too long. Four years is way too long. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm uh, separated eight, uh, eight, eight, nearly nine years, and I'm not divorced yet because I just haven't got around. I haven't mm. just got around to doing it. Now I'm nearly there, but um, it's just, it's just you have to get a lot of things sorted before you do it. Like I mean, I have four kids, and a lot of stuff had to be sorted before you know, even between us, before we even go there. But unless you want to spend 50 grand on a solicitor to do it for you, like, I think you're better off kind of deciding these things. What do you think of the time frame? You didn't push it yourself, obviously. It it, it suited you to your double, actually, the uh, what they call. Yeah, No, I didn't. Like, I didn't have a kind of a like there was no real rush. I I kind of felt. I mean, unless he wanted he he had no rush either. So we were both just separated. Mm. And then I suppose now I'm. Just You're formalising things. Formalizing but it. what do you think? As somebody who maybe is not in the situation that you two oh, yeah. are in. No, look, that, two years know. is fine. Two years is fine. Okay. Yeah, I would say two years is fine. Um, it does take it does take a long time. But like, at least if people have the options there and, and the money, mm. they can get it done and dusted. Mm. The majority of people it does, you're talking six, eight years anyway, yeah. by the time they'll get around. Get but especially around. the law at the minute is that you can't even apply for a divorce yeah, until, until after four years. Yes. And, when, yeah. and then you've got an extended yeah. period when you've got mm. to, yeah. so mm. at least But I suppose you can have a lot them. of ducks in a row before the four years and if, it'll probably yeah. take that long to do it anyway. Yeah. Mm. Do you know but, what I mean? But yeah. at least it gives you the option yes. in a year it, or two yeah. to, to I would I would agree with you if, Somet- if you want. And there's no there's no it's not a compulsion. You know yeah. I mean? mm. Sometimes you know it may, from a legal perspective and you want to tidy up bits here and there, particularly when it comes to you know property or or succession rights or whatever. Then anyway, you know, we have to wrap it, it up. up now immediately. Never mind four, two, yeah. or less, or more years. Listen, that's it for uh, Women with Opinions on this uh, last Friday of January. I want to say a big, big thank you as usual to Angela McCormick, a media consultant. Thank you very much, Angela, to Cameron McCarthy from EMS and Associates, and to Kira Burke from Sage and Stone, where I enjoyed the most beautiful breakfast last weekend. <laughs> let me say thank you all for thank joining you, thanks, me on Late Lunch. Thank you. Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Thanks very much to Wayne Kieran's the Loud Manager, and we wish Loud and Mead all the very best with the new National League campaign starting the weekend. Uh, Wayne tweeted us to say, just caught Charlie O'Brien on Jerry's show there. What brilliant anecdotes he shared about his teammate and lifelong friend Liam Leach. Plenty of Loud GAA legends mentioned, and whilst we look to the future, we cannot forget these guys from the past. Lovely words, Wayne. Thank you so much indeed for those. And we will podcast that tribute to Liam Leach separately uh, today 
after the show. You can hear the full show back on lmfm.ie under the podcast late lunch there. But we will put Liam's tribute up separately as well today if you didn't get it earlier on with us on the show. Up next, I drop in on Siobhan O'Neill White as she works out at Integral Fitness and Leisure in Betty Sound County Meath. Well, I think I've seen it all now. I'm just on my way into Integral in Betty's town and I don't even get to the gym floor because Siobhan O'Neill White, look at her. Coming up the stairs. Holy God almighty. Are you not supposed to be in there rather than doing this? I can't even talk. I have to go down the stairs again. She's making me go up and down the stairs carrying the weight that I've lost so far. Which is heavy and a lesson in itself. So off I go. Four pounds, Fran Manish, in in her hand there. Exactly. So that will make her realise now that I don't want ever to put on those four pounds again. And... We'll continue on. And every time she loses weight, she's going to keep carrying that weight till the very end. So that's my little theory for this morning, you know. And we've done a great session so far. We've been on the bike doing hit. So we had a bit of sprinting and relaxing. And then we went into the studio and we've done some Tabata training, which is a bit like, uh, again, a bit of hit. Like, so you're working 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. And then we did a bit of carrying of weights around the, the gym floor and studio. So she's doing great. Look at her. She's killing you. I'm just going to lean against the wall here for a minute. Take a break there and take a breath for a minute. Yeah. She's back up the stairs. How many flights are there here? There's two, three flights anyway. Yeah. What does it say to you when you carry four pounds? Oh, yeah, it's heavy, obviously. Mm. And it's better to be carrying it and giving it back <laughs> than carrying it 24-7. Um, like, it's hard. I mean, it is hard because... I've had sick kids this week and whatever, but I am dead. I'm definitely doing my best and trying my best and um, more than our best, hundred <laughs> percent. I am. I'm trying. I'm trying my very best. Yeah, um, and you know, I look at you there, and the sweat is rolling out of you. You're well, red in the gills. I mean, we've been. Here, I've been here nearly an hour. So we came in because we knew you were coming. I said I can't be doing talking to him at the start of it because yeah, yeah. that he'd be t- he'd have me here all morning. And then I know I still have pain to come. Let's get the pain over, and then I can deal with Jerry. So, um, but yeah, it is. It's good. And, and look, you know, I took the picture in a dress that was a bit snug, and I'm looking forward to putting that on at the end. Yeah, that's a good incentive. It's a real goal for you. Yeah. But look, let me hold that weight myself for a second yeah. there. Oh my God, when you take that in your hand. That is actually four pound a weight that yeah. you lost in one week and you're not carrying. Can you feel, I know it's early doors now, we're into the second week now, yeah. towards the end as well. Can you feel a difference already? Maybe a little bit, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just very focused on work, kids, exercise, eating well, drinking water. And, and the thing I'm bad at would be, and I'm very careful and conscious now, I'd often go from breakfast to lunch without having a snack. I'm a devil for that, or in the afternoon. Yeah. And now I'm just planning a little bit better. So, like, I have an apple for the minute I come out of here to munch straight into that. So I'm, I'm planning a little bit better. Mm. That's probably my downfall, really. That's probably the thing I'm worst at. And I have Fran texting me every day. I've, I'm in Lorraine's messenger group. There's a WhatsApp group. There are, I, there's no getting away from it. Everywhere I go... I like if I was even thinking of having a chocolate bar. If I was even thinking, which I'm not, I just open my phone. So I just did 20 minutes of a spin class, and uh, I, you know, and I'm just like, well, I won't have that chocolate bar. So I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm gonna. This is a lovely chance he's have given me, and I'm doing my very best with it. And I see more pounds on your brow and on your 
uh, neck there on your arms. It's coming out. You see that? That's all coming out from you there. That's yeah. wet, more weight you're yeah. shedding. Sweat is my body crying. Yeah. Or laughing. I don't know, but it's crying, better, better out than yeah. in. So it's all coming out. Thank God this has not been videoed. This is all I'm going to say. This is not a pretty picture, mate. But this is what happens when you've been in here for an hour with Fran. When you talk about this aspect of the eating that Siobhan mentions there, and I'm different for that myself, I'll have something tiny in the morning and maybe go right to lunch hour with nothing at all. That's not good, is it? Um, listen, there's so many theories out at the moment now, Jerry, about you know fast dieting and all this sort of thing. Personally, myself, I think the routine every three hours, little and often, is really good. It works for it works for me and it works for a lot of people and I think over the years with the lose weight feel great that's what we've been trying to motivate people to do that it that way and that sometimes you you can go a little bit off with your portions and that so by keeping it in check it keeps it right back down again. Um I've also suggested to Siobhan to write everything down uh also for for her help uh, so if she has a good week, she can see where she went right. If she's a bad week, she can see where she's gone wrong. And when you actually see it on paper, you go, oh, really? Is that what I've eaten or is that, is that all I've eaten? Like some people under eat as well, and that's not great either. So, yeah, I mean, if Siobhan goes away after six weeks, even just taking that away from it, that's, that's brilliant, you know, uh, because we, as mothers, we forget to look after ourselves sometimes. And... Um, She's not going to forget this, this six weeks to look after. <laughs> she certainly won't. She has four people at home and a, a husband, Dave, that's going to remind her all of the time. Look, she's the child now giving herself a little mop yeah, here, yeah, so yeah, she yeah. has to be just we're <laughs> stopping her in her tracks for a moment. So, look, at from the way in on Monday evening, how many sessions are, are you going to put in until we meet again to weigh next Monday? Well, we're hoping not to meet on Saturday as well. Not hoping. We are meeting on Saturday and then Monday as well. Um, tomorrow, I'd like to see Siobhan maybe going for a walk on the beach. Just sort of like an, an active sort of rest day, yeah. do, doing something, and then Sunday take it off completely. Yeah, and then just face us all again on, on Monday. Yeah. What, remind us again the target. What did you say you hoped in week two to lose? I said two. Let's just clarify this for the record, because like I'm not I'm not a huge person. A, there's not a, that, there's not that much of me, and I am trying really hard. Um, so I, I'm I'm saying two. Okay, and look at it. It is what it is when you step on the scales. You can do no more than put in the work, eat well, and once you do that, look what the scales say, the scales say. But I'm sure she's going to be down again this week. One point I wanted to say to you, we have two boys and two girls in the programme as usual here. It's more difficult. Or am I being sexist there saying that? For women to get the weight down. Well, Jerry, the results from Monday tell you that. Like, I mean... Uh, yeah, it is more difficult. From experience of working with both male and female, uh, yeah, the, the men seem to lose the weight quicker, um, down to hormones and different things that are going on in our bodies. And after all, we're all different as well. Like what might work for Siobhan mightn't work for Anne. And, and uh, so Siobhan is small, Anne is tall. So it's just, yeah. you know... Different metabolisms metabolism. as well. Yeah. Well, my husband has been really supportive. So last night, instead of like having a cup of tea and biscuits and totally rubbing my face in it, he made himself some popcorn. So he made it with no crap or anything like that himself. Yeah. 
um, in the pot and all that. And he had his little bowl of popcorn and he was like, see, now I'm supporting you. But I can already see he's lost weight. And he's hardly done anything. And I'm sweating myself ragged. And he's just, I can already see. He's like, my belt is a bit looser. I want to whip him with the belt. So, like, I mean, but it's good. That's that's for a a different time of day. That's when the the sun goes down. That's for the rest day. Uh, But, yeah, I think think it is easier for men. Me, myself and Dave would often be kind of getting fit together and whatever. And it always just falls off him it's always harder for me so uh, but I am doing everything that Fran is telling me I'm literally doing what I'm told we know that that's why you're on this programme just a final word we let her do another up and down the stairs there to you Fran in general terms look at week one we set new records all round we have to mention Alan Fedigan over £12 lost the group as total we've never lost £30 with a group in the first week my god the bar is set high isn't it yeah it's set very high and uh, I was in Drogheda this morning and they the three amigos were there this morning giving the talks and I mean they're having good fun as well that's what I've said to Siobhan let's hope that you're going to have a bit of fun here as well and feel great at the end of it all no the bar is set high but you know us instructors even though uh, we say it's all a bit of teamwork is it really you know <laughs> no it's not it's very competitive she's told me in no uncertain terms she's the best one and I have to say that at the end of all this or else but I'm actually going to bring my children on Saturday. So we're meeting at 2 o'clock on Saturday. And we're going to do a session together. And then I'm going to go into the pool with the kids for a swim. And I'm going to go into the steam room. So I'll do a few lengths. So that'll be part of my exercise. But it's about bringing them with me and having them, you know... Involved, involved as well, yes. which is great. You're a model yeah, student. can't just flip off and leave them for the day, do you know? So. No, bring them into the All equation right, as well. Go on, go on, go on, go down, go down them stairs. Get down them stairs there and do another one and come back up and we have a look. Jerry, I just want to also say thanks to Guy here in Betty's Town as well, who's been very supportive to Siobhan, and he's also on board. So she has two of us. So if I'm not here, she has other eyes on her as well. God love her. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. Where's she gone? Look down those flights of stairs there. Here she comes, here she comes. Up, 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 up. With the four pound in hand. This is different. Very, very different. Anyway, we're going to leave her for the moment. Well done you. Well Thank done you. Don't, don't and thanks Fran. No and good luck to you. We'll see you on Monday. Monday. And late lunch listeners, remember Tuesday you get all the details on what happens with the weigh-ins. Right, said Fred, both of us together, one each end and steady as we go. Tried to shift it, couldn't even lift it, we was getting nowhere, and so we had a cup of tea and right, said Oh, I think he'll remember that one well, won't he? He's on the line with me, our man in Dancing with the Stars 2019. Fred Cook, afternoon. Jerry, great to hear from you. Great to hear from you too. Oh, have we lost him? Hold on, we're going to go back and try and grab hold of him there. We just lost him there for a second. We'll grab uh, Fred Cook for you now in a moment. Just want to mention something while we're getting him back on the line. Zoe Murphy, yes, there's a big campaign to raise funds for this young lady and they're going great guns. I just want to remind you that there's collection going on in the Marshes Shopping Centre tomorrow, Saturday the 26th and Sunday the 27th. Two euro for a ticket or three for a fiver. And the sellers will be in the marshes from 12 to 5. And uh, there's great prizes there in the raffle. A 500 euro voucher for the winner uh, for the marshes. B&B uh, in uh, the Newermore Hotel. And uh, the Dundalk players and football club are throwing their weight right behind Zoe Murphy and this fundraising campaign. And they'll be there as well to do the draw on Sunday afternoon. The Dundalk players will be there. Fred. 
Fred Cook. I don't know what I'm happened back. to him. He's dancing too much. He knocked himself off the line. Fred, listen, I just wanted to say to you, congratulations last week. You did the Charleston to that song we played there, a little clip of. Right, said Fred. You got top marks. I did, yeah. I came second top on the leaders board. So it was some difference. It was like a jump. It was like repeating the leaving search. <laughs> I needed to get extra points. <laughs> <laughs> but Fred here we said last week and I told the listeners the rhythm is coming out your eyes and your ears and you proved it last week with the uh, beautiful Julia yourself and ourselves it was a wonderful routine yeah I was very happy with it and Julia is wonderful because I guess a lot of people think because I'm the comedian you know like it's oh it, this suits me and all that but she comes up with all the comedy all the choreography facial expressions now, oh, you were just saying, I see, quoted in the last 24 hours, and I've just uh, been with my crew. We have our Lose Weight and Feel Great campaign at the start of every year and the Going Great Guns. You feel the um, the belt loosening a little bit already, do you? Well, you know what? I, I can hear people talking about it. I was getting a Lewis into rehearsal today, and I overheard people saying, my God, would you look at the body on him? He is such a champion. And if you don't believe me, Jerry, Peter Stringer was sitting right beside me. <laughs> is so. he? <laughs> So you'll be Stringer-esque by the time you get to the final of the dancing, will you? Oh, completely, yeah, yeah. I'll be running around that rugby pitch. So now, te- now tell us this, uh, the week ahead, What what's your dance? What dance are you doing? My dance is, it's American Smooth. Right. And it's, uh, I can't actually say the actual dance just yet, but it is, as Monty Python said, and now for something completely different. Yeah, it is. And it is, it, it's, uh, it's, it's got, it still has comedy in it. And it's uh, it's uh, and nothing's wasted in the dance, but it's something completely different. So you know, it's been. I guess I guess dances suit different dancers, and yeah. uh, for me, uh, hopefully, uh, this comes across that this can suit me as well. Because a lot of people are going, oh, because he does comedy and all that. The Charleston was funny and silly, and so that suited him. Mm. So he might be struggling from here on. But so I just hope with the judges and the viewers that they can see that I'm learning an awful lot. I'm, pu- I'm putting it forward. Yeah, so you're, you're going to have to show a little more poise, technique. You'll be slowing 100%, down. Yeah. Oh, yes, with this one. It is a complete contrast to the Charleston. But this lady is obviously a fine teacher you have dancing with you. She is wonderful. And uh, she is so patient, like repetition. Now, she nearly killed me today. <laughs> but uh, we took 10 minutes apart and we were best friends again. <laughs> so it's... Uh, <laughs> needs that, like... Oh my God! So it really does get a little tetchy at times when the preparations are going on. Sure, it has to. There's a lot going into it, isn't there? Exactly, and you know you've got ten different dancers, mm. and they're all trying to put her stamp on her own dance. So, and all the dancers are so uniquely different as well. Like, so it's uh, and you know as, as Julia, my professional dancer, said to me, she go like you have to perform it. It's one thing knowing the dances, but performing it. And I did that with the Charleston. Yeah, and, and, and uh, go on. And funny enough, my first dance, I probably performed that, but I didn't get the technique right. So, you know, yeah. now, like, I'm, I'm hoping to get the magic tree and get both right at the same yes. time. So. Please God, you will on Sunday. Tell yeah. me this. You know very well that here in the Northeast, uh, we are right behind you. LMFM are backing Fred Cook in uh, Dancing with the Stars. But how come the Republic of Carrick and Shannon are other big supporters of yours? What's the link with Carrick? Yeah, well, you know, my mom grew up in Carrick and Shannon, right? So, uh, so I've, uh, I've I've had family there, and so I spent all my summers there. So there is a great support there in Leitrim. Like I grew up in Kells, but I spent all my summers in Leitrim, and I went to school in Cavan. So I'm kind of I'm naturally designed just to win the Rose of Tralee, but all the <laughs> counties sorted. 
You were fun in every camp. <laughs> Jesus, you have a great combination there. Me, the Cameron and Leitrim. How many? <laughs> you really Some do. combination, all right, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I just want to remind uh, LMFM listeners, get behind Fred on Sunday night. And how do you do it? When the voting lines open on Sunday evening, you text Fred. It's very simple. Fred to 53125. That's Fred to 53125. Give him a vote on Sunday. Keep him moving along. This man could be the next Fred Astaire. Thank you so much, Jerry. Good luck to you on Sunday. We'll be rooting for you all the way. Wish you the best. Not at all, Fred. Take care of yourself. See you next week. See you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Fred Cookie's a brilliant... What a funny man he is. He is a really, really funny man. So votes for Fred, please. 53125 on Sunday evening. That's a lot on late lunch for the week. Thanks to our guests who uh, joined us uh, during the week. Uh, To your listeners who are with us every day. We love to have you with us. And to my new producer, my new full-time producer, Louise Walsh. Thanks a million. She is such an integral part of Late Lunch. She's just brilliant and she puts this show together with me every day. Couldn't do it without her. Anyway, that's it for another week on Late Lunch. Last week, can you believe it? Four days in January and the 1st of February beckons. See you next week for more guests, more chat, more crack on your Late Lunch. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.